Taylor, did you read my notes? Let, you, just, you basically like just preached my whole message. Okay, let's go home. No way. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Heather Taves, and I am a wife, and I am a mother, and I'm a follower of Jesus. I should have said that first because that is my, where my true identity lies. And um, I am a preacher. And yes, I am a girl. I am a chick preacher. And I love preaching the word of God so much. Like, it, it's probably my most favorite thing to do in the whole world. Um, and so I'm always so honored when I get to be up here and to teach and to share God's word with you. And one of the things that I love to do is to um, actually like dig into the Bible and teach the meaning behind things and like the Greek and the Hebrew and, and all the nerdy Bible stuff and, and show you the, the parallels between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Like I just start geeking out over that stuff, um, but I'm not gonna do any of that today. And so all week I began to kind of doubt what I was saying to you because it didn't feel deep enough. It didn't feel like it was, um, like it was teaching you enough. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, but this is what I asked you to say. This is what I gave you to say to our church. This is what's gonna make an impact. And so I just pray that as I, my words today, um, though I feel like they're simple, I pray that they make a, a huge impact on our lives. And just this last week, Chris, my husband and I were in Canada with our family and we were um, celebrating the life of Chris's grandpa. He was 90-some years old, and he went to be with Jesus. And so we were up there for the funeral and the celebration of his life. And let me just tell you something. This man impacted the world in a major way. Chris's grandpa took the gospel of Jesus to places in Africa that had never heard the name of Jesus before. There are, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, 800,000 believers in this region in Africa, in Ethiopia, that now know the gospel of Jesus and are followers of Jesus. That, that's a lot of people. But here, here's what I thought as I was celebrating his life and I was thinking back on what he gave his life to, what he devoted his life to, and I thought any person in this room can have that same impact right here. Any one of us. The number might not be 800,000. The number might be one or five or 12. I don't know what your number is, but any one of us can have that kind of an impact. It's not just, just for people who go overseas. Like It starts right here with us. But here's the deal. Our hearts have to be soft. The soil of our heart, when you plant a seed into soil, you can't put it in hard ground. It won't grow unless it is fertile, unless it has sunlight, unless it has water. Your heart has to be soft and ready for God to plant something in you that will grow and impact people's lives. And that is my prayer for us today, is that our hearts, the soil of our hearts, would be so fertile, would be so soft, so ready for God to put something inside of us that it couldn't help but grow into something beautiful. Over the last week and a half, Chris and I have personally been affected by four car accidents. We were not in any, thank the Lord for that. But um, 
we were told from someone about a, a car accident that had happened to them. And then as we were driving from Seattle, from Vancouver back to Seattle, we passed a car accident that shut down the interstate for four miles in five hours. And we saw how horrific it was as we passed it by. And then um, the night we got home, there was a car accident, a motorcycle accident, just down the street from our house. Um, and then two nights ago, um, a, a friend of ours, their relatives were also in a car accident. So four in a week and a half, that's a lot, you think? In every single one of those car accidents, someone lost their life. Here's the deal. Wrecks happen in life. We're in the, the end of this series called Wrecked. This series was intended to wreck us for people. And what happened in this last week and a half just sort of shook me and jolted me and, and made me realize that people's lives can end like that. Their eternities can begin in an instant. And this series has been so important for me, and I hope for you. And so my prayer is that as you listen today, as you hear these words, that your heart would continue to be wrecked. A few weeks back, my family and I stopped in at Chick-fil-A for a quick supper before we headed to a soccer game. And the restaurant wasn't very full. There were only a few people filling the tables here and there. And as we sat in our booth and ate our tasty chicken nuggets, with buffalo sauce, I began to observe this man who was serving the tables of people. He was refilling their drinks. He was taking our empty trays. He was saying, is there anything I can do to help you? Can I serve you in any way? Now, this isn't really an unusual sight at Chick-fil-A. If you've been there, you know what I mean. They serve very well. They care for people. They notice people very well. But what was a bit unusual about this man was his joy. This man radiated joy. It's as if serving the people at Chick-fil-A was his dream job, and he was so excited, he could not contain the joy coming out of him. As I watched him, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you need to ask him where his joy comes from. I was pretty sure I already knew the answer. It was pretty obvious. But a few minutes later, I motioned him over to our table and I said, sir, I just, I have to ask you, I've been watching you work and you seem so happy, you seem so joyful. Do you mind if I ask you, where does your joy come from? He paused for half a second and then he just simply said, Jesus. Well, that is exactly what I expected him to say. What I wasn't expecting and what I wasn't prepared for is what came out of his mouth next. And I'm going to tell you about that in a few minutes. So here we are at the end of our series, Wrecked. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you right now, because I know you would expect nothing less, um, and say, if this series hasn't wrecked your heart, even in some small, tiny way for people, for sharing the gospel, if it hasn't changed you at all, then I think maybe you need to take a hard look at yourself. Like stand in the mirror and look at yourself and say, am I only living for me? Because this series was supposed to wreck us. This series was supposed to break our hearts for what breaks God's heart. 
Two weeks ago, Heidi simply challenged us to notice people. She said, carrying out the gospel of Jesus starts with simply noticing people, whomever they are, wherever you are. Notice people. Have you done that? Have you started noticing the people around you? This is a powerful and very easy change that every single one of us can do. And then last week, I hope that you were wrecked, like souls ripped out, hearts on the ground, as you heard David Platt talk about sharing the gospel. If you felt uncomfortable during his talk, good, you were supposed to. What a profound visual he gave as he talked about being in Nepal and as he talked about watching people's dead bodies burn as they floated down the river and as he knew that their souls were going to an eternal burning, an eternal hell because no one had ever told them about the redeeming love of Jesus. I hope that it shook some of you to your core and woke you up from your comfortable lives and your perfect ideals. I hope it shook from you the thought that nothing could be more important than being a light in this dark, desperate world and we are the called ones to carry that light. I know for a long time we as Christians have thought and we have actually been taught this in churches that it was so complicated and it was so hard to share the gospel to people. We thought you have to have the Romans road memorized. If you don't know what that is, Google it. Or at the very least, we have to know the perfect words to lead someone in a prayer of salvation. But I want you to hear me today. Those things don't matter. All that matters is the love of Jesus that we show to those around us. I know some of you that tend to be a little more religious, you're asking, so... Heather, you're saying that repentance and turning from sin don't matter? No, of course they matter. But I'm saying that that part isn't your job. It is not your responsibility to get people to repent and turn from their sin. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to love them and point them towards Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit causes people to repent, not you. Repentance, listen, repentance comes after they have seen and felt the love of Jesus through you. But somehow, we have mixed that up. Somehow, we think judgment and repentance come first, and then we show them the love. But love comes first. I think we're super good at superficial love. Like, like we're, we're super good at clicking the little red heart or the like button. We're like, wish it was a love button. Or we're like, 
girl loving the outfit. Or, or what, like, I, I love the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're really good at that kind of love. Like, we've got that down. But have we stopped really, genuinely, face-to-face, soul-to-soul, loving people? Over the last few weeks, we've looked at parts of Paul's life as our biblical basis for this series, Wrecked. If anyone got this, he got it. Is that my microphone? Okay, cool. It's the wind. If anyone got this, Paul did. He got this. Here was someone who was ruled by rules and judgment, and he lived his life making sure that people upheld those rules until he met Jesus, and he realized that it was first about love. I want to read a portion of Paul's writings to you. This is from um, the book of Timothy. This is a letter that he's writing to Timothy. Timothy was a young leader in the church in Ephesus, and he was also Paul's protege. So this comes from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love. Filled with love. When you think of a glass that's full, all the way to the top, not half full, not a little bit, not a dribble, filled, filled with love. That all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and they spend their time in meaningless discussions. Now, since we're low-context crowd, I'm going to explain to you what Paul is saying, okay? Paul is saying this. He's saying we should be filled to the top with love. We should love from a pure heart, not loving because we get something in return. We should love from a clear conscience, not because we're forced into it, but from a heart condition that says, I love because he first loved me. We need to be loving, hear me, without self-gain in mind. We need to be loving from a genuine faith, a faith that absolutely believes that we have the answer that the world is looking for, that we hold inside of us the hope of the world. But some of us have missed this whole point. As Paul says, we're caught up in meaningless discussions. We get so sidetracked on things that don't matter. We have stopped loving first. Instead, we judge first. Instead, we measure up first. We see if we like their vibe first. Do they dress like me, eat like me, sing like me, worship God like me, work like me, raise their kids like me, vote like me, and think like me? And if all of that checks out, show them the love. No. This is exactly what Paul meant 
We are missing the whole point. We are wasting our time in meaningless discussions. John 3, 16, everyone, even those who don't follow Jesus know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. God loved us before he sent his son for us. He loved us before we asked for forgiveness. Do you hear me? He loved you when you were messed up, sunk in muck and sin. He loved you before you asked for his forgiveness. The cross happened because of love. The gospel is love. This is important. Hear this. The gospel is love and love is the gospel. The good news of redemption, Jesus' death for you and me on the cross is all because of love. And if you follow Jesus, you already have everything inside of you that you need to share the gospel. And it's one word, love. So if that's true, why are there so many people around us that are unreached. If it, if it just takes us loving people and pointing them to Jesus, why are there so many people who are desperate and don't know that Jesus is the hope of the world? I think it's because we've stopped noticing and loving people. God loved us before we chose him. Love came before repentance. But we don't give people that grace. The Apostle John, he had some thoughts on this. 1 John 2, 7 through 10. This is what Taylor just read a few minutes ago. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one that you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Are you listening with new ears, with fertile soil in your hearts? It's new. It's old, but it's new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing because of your love, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. And then moving over to chapter, chapter 3. Verse 16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, listen, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. 
1 John 4, 16 says, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. I love this so much. That means we already have that kind of love inside of us. The kind of love that gives up his one and only son for people. The kind of love that chooses people before they chose him. The kind of love that reaches out and shows who Jesus is and shares the gospel with those around us. I think it's worth repeating what Heidi said a couple of weeks back. You might not get to speak the name of Jesus to someone, but you get to act like Jesus in front of them. And I would add, you might not get to speak the name of Jesus to someone, but you get to love them like Jesus would. I wanna to talk to you for just a little bit about unlovables, lovables and unlovables. I think there are lovable and unlovables in each of our lives. And I think that subconsciously, or maybe deliberately at times, we put people into one of those two categories. The lovables are pe people that it's easy to show love to. Your spouse, in some cases that person may be in the other column, your kids, your best friend, your parents, the barista at Starbucks that knows your order and compliments your shoes every time. It's so easy to love that chick. The friendly waiter, the friend who thinks like you think, the parents on the sidelines that cheer for your kid, Basically, it's all the people that make us feel good about ourselves or agree with us. Lovables are the people who are fairly easy to love because they think like us, act like us, are related to us, or haven't ticked us off. Then there are the unlovables. I know you already think you know what this list is going to be. The homeless, the poor, the needy. Yes, they definitely need our love. But that is not the list of unlovables that I'm talking to you about today. I'm talking about the annoying neighbor who when you get home, you close the garage door before you get out of your car so you don't have to talk to her. In my case, him. <laughs> the person that you text other people about to complain about. Your mother-in-law. The lady who sits next to you at your kid's soccer game who does nothing but scream and yell and complain about everything. The waiter who got your order wrong. The guy on your shift that disagrees with you on everything. The friend who parents differently than you parent. The person at work who annoys you because they never stop talking. The person you're supposed to be leading but instead are complaining about. Are you getting it? It's the people in your lives every single day. The ones who could most desperately use your love, but instead are being ignored by you, or worse, getting your judgment. I know you all can think of someone right now. Someone in your weekly or daily life that you have been less than loving to. Someone that would benefit greatly by you showing them some genuine love, face-to-face, soul-to-soul, clear conscience, no self-gain-involved love. It's funny, isn't it, how 
we want everyone to understand our quirks. Like we want people to get why we're weird and like what, what we're weird about. But we don't give people that same, we don't, we don't, we don't want to get other people's quirks. We put people so quickly into the unlovable column because of a quirk that we don't like. But this is the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is seeing people through the lens of Jesus. It's loving not just the easy to love lovables in our lives that make you feel good and make you happy and haven't ticked you off, but noticing and loving the unlovables too. The people who act, think, dress, drive, live, worship differently than you do. Church, we would be a powerhouse for sharing the gospel of Jesus if we just started loving well. Loving well is something that everyone, everyone can do. Loving well is a choice. You're making a choice every single time you choose not to love well. That's your choice. You're in the driver's seat. It starts with loving the unlovables around you and you will quickly find that it spreads to others outside of your circle. The love of God is already inside of us and it begins to overflow and we become wrecked, wrecked with love for people. Loving people does cost something. It costs God his only son. But I wanna tell you that loving people liberates. Loving people brings freedom. Loving people breaks off bondage. It heals wounds. It heals your past, and it can ignite something in your present that has been missing. Hating on people, gossiping about people, judging people, that all puts so much negative energy in our bodies. It makes it very hard to love people when we're doing those other things. But loving is fun. Once you start, you don't want to stop. It's addicting. When you begin to show love, it becomes something that you want to keep doing. It's life-giving and life-changing for you and for them. We are called to be a light. We are called to share the gospel. From the way that I read my Bible, it's not an option. It's what we're commanded to do. Jesus was asked, what are the two most important commandments? Thinking that he would give a list of all of these important rules to follow. And Jesus said, love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And if you think that's an easy task, try to do it. And then love people as you love yourself. And that, that's a whole other message because that might start with loving yourself first before you can actually love people the way that God has commanded us to love people, you might have to begin to love yourself first, to see yourself in the way that God made you, made in the image of an almighty God, crafted by him. You've heard that one person can't change the world. I'm one person, I can't change the world. And even though I think that it's completely false, I think there have been plenty of one persons who have changed a whole lot of world. I would say this to you today, one person can change a world, someone's world. The love 
that you can show one person may make all the difference in their world. As he stood next to our table at Chick-fil-A, the words that came out of his mouth next completely wrecked me. Like ugly crying. You know, where you, you want to go in a dark room and have the sobs just come out, but you can't because you're in Chick-fil-A and there's people watching. His name was Eugene. And he said, it could only be Jesus because six months ago, my wife and my four-year-old daughter and I were on a head-on collision. He says, I lost all of my teeth. My wife died on impact. And I held my daughter in my arms on the road as she bled to death. He lost everything that he had. His car was totaled. He lost his job. He lost his family. But he still had Jesus. And the joy and the love of Jesus poured out of him. It was evident. Some of us have a bad hair day, and that steals our joy. We get sidetracked by meaningless discussions, and we don't show the love of Jesus to those around us. You know what Eugene said? He was walking to work. He chose Chick-fil-A because they're not open on Sundays. So he knew he wouldn't have to work on Sundays and he could go to church. Some of us don't go to church because we can't find an outfit to wear or because we stayed up too late the night before. I'm not guilt-tripping you. I'm just telling you what happens when Jesus invades your life. Your priorities change. Eugene was walking two miles in all kinds of weather to Chick-fil-A so they could earn enough money to buy a bus ticket, so he could ride the bus to work, so that he could begin to save enough money to buy a car, so that he could begin to rebuild his life. The night we were at Chick-fil-A, it was raining, like monsoon raining. And I said to him, are you going to walk home in this? And he said, yeah, it's a great walk. And Chris said, hey, man, could I come pick you up? He said, sure, that'd be awesome. Chris said, okay, what time do you get off? And he said, I get off at 11. So Chris went back at 11 and picked him up, and they got to have this conversation as they drove back to where he was living. And I don't know what the rest of Eugene's story looks like. Chris has his contact information. He's been talking with him over text, and he's actually had to move to Atlanta to be with his mom. But what I know is that the joy that Eugene had could not have been from anything else but an intimate, connected, face-to-face, soul-to-soul relationship with Jesus. Because you don't go through something like that and be able to act like he was acting unless you have Jesus. 
let's choose today to be the light and the love of Jesus to a lost and dying world. Eugene said to Chris as he was driving him home, I can't believe you noticed me. And all I could think was, how could we not notice you? But it is up to us, our reason for being here on this planet, and everything that we need to share the gospel love with people is already inside of us because the gospel is love, and love is the gospel. As we wrap up this wrecked series, I have a visual for you because I know that some of you will walk out of here and you'll forget everything that I said. So I'm gonna give you something to remind you so that you cannot forget, okay? Deal? Okay, I'm coming down there. I know a lot of us have a lot of excuses about why we don't share the love of Jesus with people. You could start naming them and I would have a reason to throw every single one of them back at you. God has already put inside of you everything you need to do what he has put on this earth to do. You think a God that created the universe, the stars and the planets that spin in perfect motion, do you think he would think about leaving that out? about putting you here with a job to do and then say, oh, I forgot to give them the tools that they need to do it. No, it's because of fear, fear of man, fear of ourselves, pride. That's what keeps us from doing this. So today I'm gonna give you a plant, a beautiful flower that's alive and blooming and Kit Bolt and Brooke Bennett. And Dalton White. And Sherry Crowey. And Jared Smith. And every single one of you needs to walk out of here with one of these plants today. And I want you to name it. I want you to name your plant the name of someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus. Give it a name. Sally, John, Becky, Kylie. Put a name on this beautiful, alive plant. And then I want you to take this plant home and I don't want you to put it in the sunlight. I want you to put it in someplace dark in your house where the light is not shining. I want you to not give it any water. And I want you to watch this plant die because it will, it will die without sunlight and without water. I want you to watch it die. And then I want you to think about what happens if you don't share the love of Jesus with the people that you love around you, because that's what you're doing. You're watching them die. You're watching their souls go to a place where there's no hope, there's no water, there's not a drop of water, there's not an ounce of light, and there's no God. There's complete isolation. 
And as you're watching this plant die, I want you to begin to ask God for boldness to be the love of Jesus to the people around you. You might think you don't have it in you, but I am telling you, you do have it in you. It starts with loving people and loving them well. And when you love people, it opens up doors that you can't imagine. You might not know all the right answers, but there are people around you that do. There are people around you that you can come to and ask when you have, they have a question that you don't know the answer to. When it gets into all the theological stuff, we can help you with that. People can help you with that. Your job is to show the love of Jesus to them. So please don't walk out of here today without your flower. There's some at the back too. Would you pray with me? God, you are so good. The fact that you loved us before we chose you. The fact that you loved us in spite of all of our muck. The fact that you put us here as your tool, as your, as your tool to be a light to the people around us, the people that you so love. God, may our hearts be wrecked for people. May we notice people and see people differently beginning today. God, I pray that you would just begin to empower all of the individuals in this room, that this church would not be a church that looks in the mirror and sees us, but we look out and we see people. We see the people that you love, that you died for, that you so desperately want to be in fellowship with. May we be the vehicle that brings them to you, Jesus, because of the love that we show them. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all of these things in your precious name. Amen.